Hello and welcome to Challenge Talk, part of the Geocache Talk Network. We broadcast live on the first Thursday of each month. Feel free to jump over to YouTube or Facebook to watch the broadcast live and join a wonderful and active chat room or listen to the entire show on your favorite podcast player. In this episode, we'll be chatting about the whole process of scripting challenge checkers. We also have prizes to give away each show to our listeners. Between each show, be sure to email your challenge cash finds to challengepodcast at gmail.com and you could be a winner. And later in the show, we also play our special game exclusively for our live audience, the Wheel of Challenges. So listen live, get your email app ready, and follow instructions when the time comes so you can have a chance at winning the grand prize, a one-year membership to Project GC. We are your hosts, Emily and Jeff from Cash the Line. Hi. And I think I think we have our audio fix audio issues fixed this week. Yes, <laughs> this <we> month. Do. <laughs> Much better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so we like to first start off with just a, a quick little icebreaker. Sometimes if you have a question, you can send them in to us. But uh, one that came in recently was uh, from uh, 02BHKN. <laughs> and her question. <laughs> ah, there it is. I had to ask. <laughs> <laughs> That's a friend of mine. <laughs> nice. Okay. Is there a way to get a list of caches found on a certain day of the week? This is a question that could be a whole show in itself. <laughs> but um, I think uh, to briefly answer this, uh, there's one way you could go to Project GC and search for checkers. If you can think of keywords that might be in a title, uh, maybe in a description, you could do that. Um, they might. They, that would show geocaches or checkers that might be relevant and give you results. Um, otherwise, you could, if you are used to it, make use of GSAC, the Geocaching Swiss Army Knife application, which is only on Windows. And uh, it can get kind of complicated from there, but there are ways to query your database of finds and, uh, and, and produce a very custom list like that, finding all caches on a certain date day of the week do you think there's uh, instructions out there somewhere for that i wouldn't there have pr- a clue. <laughs> <laughs> there have probably are yeah if you look in the forums uh there might be some people who've asked that before um it's not it, there's no simple way to get that because it's not something that uh, is provided the day of week that's all parsed in project gc in your stats and uh or you can do it on your own if you're kind of programming minded which is kind of relevant to tonight's topic but if you have any email if you have any email if you if you have any questions related to challenge caching then as we always say big or small email us at challenge talk podcast at gmail.com and uh, we'll see if we can answer them or address them on the show Uh, we also do a quick little update of all the challenge caching stats according to Project GC since last month. And so according to that website, as of June 3rd, this afternoon, mid-afternoon, uh, I think challenges challenges have slowed down just a bit over the past month. Yeah. So we, we are up to 6,355 active scripts, which is up only 119. It's still more scripts being created. Maybe... Right. Maybe our guest below here, <laughs> once we introduce him, can answer that question, what all these scripts are for. There's new scripts being created every month. Um, we have uh, six, 36,645 unique challenges, which is up only 253. 
So prior months, there's higher numbers. Um, but our active tags, Everyone's so these are, finally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, our active tags, so these are unique GC codes, challenge caches are at 44,578, which is up just under 400 over the past month. So that's 400 new challenge caches worldwide that are uh, within Project GC. But if you were to search for the challenge cache attribute, which now is the best way to find challenge caches, you would find worldwide 31,385 active challenge caches. That is non-archived. Um, they might be disabled, but that's active. And uh, that's up by 156. In one month, only 156 new caches have been published. Challenge caches. That seems low. I know I'm not doing my part. I had great ambitions to get more ca uh, challenges out there, and I haven't, <laughs> I haven't done it yet. <laughs> well, I, I have a feeling that next month that's going to have a huge, well, maybe a huge boost, because uh, I, I had been sharing that um, uh, just on January or J June 2nd in Ontario, our uh, moratorium on new cash publishes was lifted because we are no longer in a very strict stay-at-home order. And from, I always say this, from about midnight to 1230, so as soon as June 2 kicked over, up to about a thousand caches had been published within a half an hour. Wow. And then throughout the rest of the day, another few hundred kind of trickled out. So we had around 1,200 new caches on June 2nd published within Ontario which is kind of nuts. That's a buffet <laughs> of caching. <laughs> FDFers, yeah, have a heyday. Only thing is, filtering those for just challenge caches, that there was, there was uh, I think, about 25 or 30 new, cha new challenge caches. So even that was kind of low. Right. And one of the, one vast majority of those was one series in Niagara, uh, which was, I think, about 1920 or 29 caches with challenge caches within within that series oh, so yeah. most of so. the new challenges are published in one little stretch <laughs> well hopefully we'll get more over the next month yeah hopefully yeah uh so also we have a couple little news items not much has happened this month but um uh cashly if you're on ios has just released an update to the app which now allows adventure labs to be shown on the map in search results much like the official geocaching app. So if you are a Cashly user, make sure you've got the latest version and there's a couple little extra bonuses there as well. Uh, so check that out. And if you like Adventure Labs, that'll be a, a big plus. Cool. And uh, we would be good to mention that Geocache Talk is also looking for a social media manager. Been announcing it on all the shows and all the information you need is on geocachetalk.com. You'll find information there if you are interested on helping us manage all of our social media platforms. We have so many podcasts in the network. It's awesome, but it's a and lot of work. we need to be so. managed. <laughs> <laughs> to keep up with everything. Whew. All right, well, let's get into our main topic. If you are in chat, welcome, hello. Uh, make sure that you uh, do ask any questions and comment, and we'll show you. We'll, we'll show them if, uh, if they're relevant. <laughs> so our topic today for this month is all about challenge checker scripts, 
We highlight the scripts, the, the statistics for scripts every month, but we get to get a little bit more of a background uh, into those from our guest, Sloth96, a script writer who has joined us. Hello, Sloth96. Welcome. Good evening. Thanks for so, having um, me. Yeah, by all means. So, uh, first of all, <laughs> we, we want to uh, thank you because you are a volunteer and... Uh, we asked some people if they had any questions, and the first one that came in was, I don't have a question. We just want to thank them all for doing what they do. <laughs> yes, it, thank you. It, it, it can't is be easy. It's an absolutely necessary part of challenge caching, and without the volunteers, how do we get it done? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, it's just like reviewing. It's a lot of work, but and you don't get paid. You are volunteers because you love doing it. I think Magnus is the only one I know who gets paid, and that's out of, that's because he writes for Project GC. Ah, uh, yeah, I guess Project GC could hire if they want to. <laughs> so could geocaching.com. Um, mm. <laughs> yeah. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Uh, so how many of you are there out there? Because you're dealing with the entire world and all these requests. What's your team like? So... Uh, the last I looked, there's about 150, I think it's 153, 154, something like that, people who have scripting permission to write checkers on Project GC. Um, that number is, uh, there's a lot of people who are interactive. Um, there's a lot of people, you know, who wrote checkers when they first came out who um, have had life come up and they've had other things to do. Um, and... The other thing is a lot of the scripts are fairly mature now, so they wrote a script and it's still running fine and nobody needs to talk to them. So it's mm -hmm. working okay. Um, in fact, I would say uh, most checkers these days, if you put them forward, it just gets tagged almost immediately when you put it on the forum, and, which means the script already exists. Um, mm -hmm. There's about... 10 times as many people who can actually tag scripts. There's uh, about 1,500. Um, <laughs> by far, the, the most active is uh, Vogelbird, who uh, acts as uh, sort of the coordinator of all of us and sends us emails when we're not paying attention to the forums like we should be. <laughs> um, never happens. Um, but, um, yeah, there's about, a, there's about 150 of us. Who actively write who write scripts when they're needed? Awesome. Right. So, so you do have a um, a very big difference between scripters and taggers. Uh, you're not like one person doing everything. It's like you're you are kind of separated into two different groups. Uh, I believe all the scripters are taggers, but not all the taggers are scripters. Right. So. <laughs> um, you know, and, and there's also the moderators as well, and I have no idea how many of those are. And they're the people who go through and curate the collection of uh, pre-moratorium caches to highlight the challenges in there so that we can actually write checkers for them. Okay. Mm -hmm. so. so is there some kind of running list for challenges that need a checker and you guys take a look at it and see if it's something you're interested in doing? Um, so mostly uh, for that is checking the forum. So if, if I am have spare cycles and want to uh, you know, put some time into creating a checker, I'll go, I'll go to the uh, checker requests 
And usually I just go down to the, uh, start looking for anything that's got the yellow next to it. Um, mm. So I see, he, yep, check a request, next one down. Um, and I, and what I generally will do is I will go and look at stuff that's in yellow, new script required. Um, right. Sometimes I will go and check and see stuff that's, uh, you know, uh, sometimes stuff's in blue, which means it's new. Uh, and I will be checking that as well to see if it's a quick and easy tag uh, as a as a script writer. Um, or I'll also go and look at it and go, I may need to write a new script for it and try to beat the taggers to it. Um, <laughs> so it, it's all a question of what's, what's in the queue and what's waiting. Uh, right. There's also people who know that I can write the scripts and they will come and ask me directly. Um, so... Um, sometimes it happens that way, but most of the time it's through the form. And so, and as I said earlier, sometimes Vogelbert will send me an email going, Hey, we're having a problem with this one. Can you take a look at it? He is very prominent. I know every time I, most of the time I look at uh, challenge checkers, uh, a script writer is almost so often it's Vogelbert. <laughs> like he's just, he's all over the place. He does a lot of the tagging work and mm. he has, he has uh, written some scripts as well. Tagged by, yes, tagged by Vogelbird. So, so um, yeah, we uh, to get to the uh, Challenge Checker forum uh, for listeners, I had already brought up the screen uh, on the website for that. You would go to the Tools drop-down menu, and under Challenges, there's a Challenge Checkers section. And in that section, there's a button for Challenge Checker forum, and that will take you there. And that's the place that you want to go to make your requests, the, challenge, the Checker Requests uh, feel, uh, topic, I guess. Yep. And in our other show where we talked about how to create a challenge checker, that's where the read first post is. This is the one that you want to read. There's your details. There's your guidelines for, uh, what you need to do when you're making a request for a checker. Right. So very good. Don't forget post. that. Yep. And, you know, we always need the GC code in order to do anything because we need to be able to tag the the script put in the part of the, the tag is the GC code. Um, and we need a clear description of it because as taggers and script writers, we don't have the same power as reviewers do. So we can't go in and look at your, your draft cache. That's a good reminder. Mm-hmm. So, and just to interject, we had one question from uh, Samantha Van Zillen. What is challenge caching? <laughs> She's still new to caching. Just did her first adventure lab last week. And first where I go tonight, First of all, welcome to the hobby. <laughs> Challenge caching is kind of uh, a whole different level of geocaching. It's like um, uh, trying to build your stats to a level that you can qualify for a challenge or a goal. And once you do, then you can log a specific cache as found. Right. So we like to mention if you're just getting started with geocaching, now's a good time to start focusing on some challenges because your your field of geocaches is wide open um, and so it, it's a lot easier to find caches that'll qualify for a certain challenge caching. So um, it, it might seem kind of advanced the way we're talking about it, but uh, hopefully your enthusiasm and love for challenge caching will be infectious. <laughs> right. On a basic level, read a challenge cache. It'll have challenge in the title probably most uh, most likely and it can inspire you on a different way of geocaching instead of just going out to your local park to find what's nearby 
Mm-hmm. Right. I, I think of it as it, it changes it from uh, opportunistic caching to goal-oriented caching. That's a great description. Yeah, yeah exactly. I love that, that uh, concept in geocaching as well, the goals. Uh, so you are a script writer, which means you have to write code. Can you explain the, uh, the, the structure, the language, the way that scripts are created to accomplish this statistical analysis and provide the output, like what language it is? So um, at a high level, uh, the, the scripts are written in Lua, which is a uh, development language uh, used a lot in websites, uh, used a lot in uh, places where data doesn't need to be processed terribly fast. Also used in Where I Goes. Where I Goes uses it as the underlying uh, programming language. Mm. Um, and it also is nice because it uh, gives Project GC sort of a, um, a sandbox so the script developers can't create too much damage. They use, uh, they use that sandbox to limit how much memory we get to take up on this system and how much of the processing time. Um, a basic checker. Um, Basically, uh, it gets a tag. The tag usually says it has some sort of filtering parameters in it. So only look in this part of the world, only look for these types of caches. We, pa- we pass that into a, uh, a call that then pulls all your finds that in theory qualifies. So these days it might be, say, look for all caches with the... Uh, Oh, all your finds with the uh, challenge attribute. So we'll pull those in. Um, and then we'll start going through the actual requests uh, and the actual constraints of the actual challenge. So let's take a fizzy as an example, which is filling in all the uh, 81 blocks on your difficulty and terrain grid. So a, a very simple checker would then start looking for the first one it found in each one of those 81 grids, squares. Um, start making a list of it. Um, and after we've built up a list, gone through all your caches, we go, okay, you filled it in or you haven't. Um, if you filled it in, we set a couple of variables that, um, one is whether you get the red check or the, uh, I'm sorry, the green check or the, the red do not enter symbol. (laughs) Um, So that's just a simple thumbs up and thumbs down. We write a a simple log uh, that can depend a little bit on the uh, challenge that, you know, you're doing and how complicated that text is going to be. So in the case of Fizzy, we might just give you your grid and show you which boxes you've checked off. Uh, We might have to write something that spits out all 81 caches. Um, And we would put that, try to put that in the, what is it, the BB code markup language? So you can cut and paste that directly into your geocaching.com log. And we'll also uh, put down uh, a bigger HTML description, which you know should be more of a discussion of what's going on with the, your progress on the challenge. And that's really f- more for people who haven't completed it. And uh, sometimes, though pretty rarely, we'll pop up a map that either shows the caches that qualify or gives you some idea of where you've been. Um, uh, I do a lot of, uh, county type challenge work. So, you know, seeing a map filled in with all your counties overlaid, 
uh, it's a nice visual for a lot of people to see their progress. So. I love that. I just finished my Oregon counties last week and it was delightful to watch those fill in over my five day road trip. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> counties in Oregon, Delorme, I finished up. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to find a fizzy checker so you can demonstrate uh, how that appears. Yeah, here's a good one. So um, this very famous one is the well-rounded cashier, the California fizzy. This is the old, the original fizzy challenge where it has date restrictions, which means you have to find old caches in all of the DT grids um, published before a certain date, which means it gets harder and harder. And uh, so... As, as I guess you were just saying, the um, the results, I don't qualify yet, but the results will pop out an HTML grid. And uh, th this particular one doesn't have a copyable script that you can put into your log. Because you haven't completed it yet. Right. Oh. You, don't, you don't get a sample log because you haven't completed it yet. <laughs> so put in my, put in my, G, put in uh, my username. And it's, I think I qualify for this. Do you? Oh, you don't. Oh, shucks. The California fizzy. Oh, well, a, I, um, I need to cache more in California. <laughs> <laughs> well, th that's just old caches. So uh, you just need caches that were placed before that one was published, which uh, is GC11E8N. I think it was, oh, wow, what was the year? Was it 2007? Yeah, so the published date is 2007, April 6th. So you need to complete your fizzy grid w with only geocaches published before then. That is the very famous one that so many people... Making it very hard. Yeah, try to qualify for. So this is one that uh, is a great one if, if you start out because if you go traveling, if you go on vacations, target those old caches and they'll start filling out that fizzy grid right. for the California fizzy. And those state limits, I believe, aren't allowed any longer. No, no. This is, that was definitely a pre-moratorium uh, challenge cache. Right. There's a lot more rules in place now. We yep. have a question in the chat about when a checker is added onto the cache page, and it has to be added on before the cache is published. It's one of the requirements now. So the, mm -hmm. the script has to be written, linked onto the cache page, because that's what the reviewer is going to look for before they publish it. Right. Yeah. If you uh, go back to show nine, Emily's first challenge cache, <laughs> we, uh, we talk a lot about the, the process of creating the listing, creating the challenge, placing the cache, and then getting the checker, and then going up to publishing. It's a few extra steps to be able to publish a challenge cache, but uh, yeah, the checker needs to be there before it can be, before you can put it in the queue to be published. Right. It is a requirement. And I'll attest, don't let those extra steps scare you off. It, it's really mm. not that bad. Yeah. The, the other thing is that we need the GC code. So you need to have started publishing the cache, typed it up, and give us the GC code in the form or someplace else so we can tag it or script it. Mm -hmm. um, and then we'll give you the link and stuff back so you can finish up your, your cache page. Mm -hmm. Right. So what is it that has brought you into this script writing space like why do you what motivates you to write scripts so uh the way i got started was uh, a friend put together a, a a challenge trail around the time that the checkers started 
and he had probably, well, let's just say more than 50% coverage of his challenge trail had checkers already, and some of them needed more scripts and more tags. Uh, so he encouraged me to apply, uh, or maybe he sent my resume to Magnus, I forget which. Um, and then I became a, a script writer, and now it's something I do from time to time uh, when I have some downtime, it's a, it's a form of relaxation for me. <laughs> so, so you're a programmer at heart. <laughs> Indeed. In a way, <laughs> there, there's a little bit of a tension between programmers and scripters. I remember that <laughs> I was a, a programmer as well and moved into scripting. When you start doing web development, you start doing a whole lot more scripting than programming. And yeah. So, so um, <laughs> so I mean, some of the okay. checkers. Sorry, no. Some uh, some of the checkers actually get into um, some fairly deep programming. Um, mm -hmm. So some of the so the checkers that do the Delorme uh, and some of the arbitrary polygon caches that are no longer allowed. The um, mm -hmm. there's actually some pretty decent math for determining if a point is inside or outside of a polygon. Yeah. Um, that work was originally done, um, I believe, by Target, did the original scripts for that. And uh, part of what I've been doing is tweaking them for some of the different challenges that have come along over the years. Hmm. Um, some of the other ones uh, that have been sort of uh, tricky and complicated, uh, you know, they started to be 81, you know, fill in your fizzy grid, but do nine in each country or nine of each type. Um, <laughs> that is, you know, computationally can get very intensive. Mm. And, it's, you know, I, I kind of picture it kind of like a maze because you've got so many dimensions to it. You don't just, you're not just looking for filling one of each grid. Now you've got options. So it's like you're, if you take a certain cache type and you have to get DTs, but then now there's no other option. Uh, using that particular route, you've got to go back and try a different cache in this spot to open up that type. For like, it, it becomes like a an optional and route maze thing until you complete what you need to, or you have no other options. And I, I can just imagine how complex the Lua code for that would have to be. It's complex just in a programming language, but a scripting language. Um, we even have so some that are. Do you like are, it when we create such challenging? challenge <laughs> so um the the it can be both good and it can be both frustrating um so you know if people are like i need this yesterday and um you know it's it's a big uh important thing in their life that can be frustrating sometimes mm -hmm. these are multi-month you know things to sit down and think about um mm -hmm. and try two or three different ways of doing it because mm -hmm. what what will end up happening is you'll get um, a class of users who have only done a small number of caches and they obviously don't qualify. And then you get the people who have done a ton of caches, um, you know, let's say 20,000 or more, and they very likely qualify and they're easy for the algorithm to run. And then you get all the people in between and it's tough for that. Um, because they may qualify, they may not qualify. They may have only one selection on the grid um, that qualifies them. And those are the ones that cause problems. And 
you know, we try to test them, but somebody may come back in two months and go, oh, yeah, this checker just errors out on us because it runs out of time. And it's like, oh. okay, mm-hmm. got to go back and look at this thing again. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Um, and then you've got issues you've got to deal with, like what, what data is available to you. And like, do you have to... Um, well, obviously you have to say whether or not you can actually create the script, but are there like any, any unknown or unforeseen um, walls that you might hit with certain uh, requests? Like you think, oh yeah, that could be possible, but then, oh wait, no, uh, the, the language isn't powerful enough or we don't have access to that kind of data. So, uh, you know, questions that have come up a lot are things like, you know, how far, there used to be a bunch of caches, how far have you cached from home? Well, we can't do that for you. Um, we don't have access to your home coordinates. Um, it's a way to protect user privacy. So we can't do that. Um, there was a question that came up this week of um, doing caches. You know, your, the, one of your finds needs to be so close to other finds, uh, or not other finds, but other caches in the area. We don't have access to that information. We only have access to your finds. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Right. Um, Lo- yeah, lonely distance caches, that sort of yep, thing. Yeah, lo- lonely distance yep. caches. Um, for the longest time, the, lon- the lonely time caches. Uh, in my area, we call them resurrection caches. Mm-hmm. Um, those took a long time to get the data uh, put in, and eventually a new method got put in for the, the Lua developers, uh, for the script developers. But it took a while. Um, and it, it went back and forth. Um, so, uh, another thing that, that causes us problems from time to time is, uh, there's the old polygon caches, you know, uh, I want to do this by congressional district. I want to do this by, um, mm. uh, you know, a lot, the old, uh, interstate challenges, um, mm. those are not easy to do because you need to develop all the polygons upload them, and that can be a lot of work. Um, mm-hmm. Developing those polygons is several hours worth of work. Wow. Um, uh, a recent uh, checker that uh, is actually on the form now, uh, they need about 36 polygons, and somebody put that at 16 hours worth of work oh to gosh. develop those polygons <laughs> for a legacy cache that, you know, isn't going to, you know, isn't going to help us much in the future. Um, so a lot of stuff that's easy for you people to do and look at on a map and go, oh, it's obvious. Convincing mm. a computer to do that <laughs> is a lot harder. It's got to be good for those brain muscles, though, right? Like it, for people who love to write this kind of thing, it's almost like it's a challenge in itself. There's no checker for this, but I can picture how there could be one. And then, you know, do you like just kind of gazing down on it and trying to figure out how it could be done just for the sake of being able to say, there is now a checker for that. <laughs> well, I mean, and, and sometimes the issue is finding a data source. Hmm. Um, I mean, the, you know, getting all the county boundaries to do stuff is a lot of work. Um, with Project GC's recent uh, uh, change in the, the underlying uh, software that they use, the underlying data sets they use for their maps, you know, people are realizing that it's a lot of work curating boundaries and uh, mm. polygons like that, and it's 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 hard. 
And, mm. you know, there's been a challenge on my plate for four years um, that I just found a data set that'll give me the data I need that I think uh, uh, geocaching.com will be happy with. But wow. we're, still, we're still trying to figure that out. <laughs> um, and, you know, there's always uh, challenges that go in and out of favor um, with the reviewers and other folks. Um, and so figuring out how to do that, um, you know, we may go through all the work of developing a checker and then the reviewers will go, Hmm, this style doesn't meet our interpretation of the guidelines Mm. and it gets dropped there. Yeah. That's what happened to me with my first idea. And, and my immediately thought was the script writer. They, I think it was a pretty easy script. I mean, I don't really know, but it was scrapped, you know, there yeah. was just no use for it after someone took the time to make it. Yeah. And, and that's happened to me as well. And, and cause you know, you're developing a challenge and you make the request for a checker to see if it's possible and who qualifies and then it gets declined. But you know, in my mind, it's like, okay, well now the, at least there's a script for that. <laughs> it may never officially be used, but who knows, maybe there's a, a pre moratorium challenge that had that idea. And now that script could be used for that. Like there's other options there as well, but I, yeah, like I, I can only imagine as a programmer that like I, I would think the challenge of creating the script is fun in and of itself and now it's there and you've learned something and maybe you can make use of that in another script somewhere else or adding other limitations if it's necessary to make it valid, things like that. It, it can be and it, it's fun to do and sometimes it's a, it's a, a conversation through the CEO with their reviewer mm-hmm. and figuring out yeah. what they're going to allow and what, what they're not. And um, after, after you've gone through the process a couple of times, you have an idea of what's going to be approved and what to send to the reviewers proactively to go, you know, Hey, mm-hmm. it's your cash. Go ask your local reviewer if they're okay with this. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes they're simple enough. We'll just bash them out Um <laughs> And say, hey, here's a here's a proof of concept for your reviewer to see if they like it. Um, but sometimes we just go, no, you're going to have to talk to your reviewer first because this may take us a lot of time. Mm. Um, That's fair. And uh, the Peach Ninja asks, what's the most complicated script for a challenge that has been made that you can think of? Would that be like the polygon ones you're mentioning? <laughs> uh, so I'm used to doing the polygon ones. I think those are pretty straightforward, but I've done a lot of them. Um, you could argue that that's sort of what I specialize in. Um, there are some other ones that have that I still don't understand that have created their own programming language in and of themselves. It's the, it's another meta programming language for creating checkers. And there's a few taggers who know it very well. I still don't understand it. And some <laughs> of those are old scripts back from uh, Target, back from 2015, 2016. From a long right. time ago. So, what would you say would uh, is the cause for the high number of new scripts every month? Like, are they kind of duplicating efforts that have already been done, or um, like what you mentioned? There's old scripts, and maybe you're making updated scripts. Like, do you know why there are so many new ones per month? Uh, so, I mean, today there were some new ones that appeared because. Uh, some of the older scripts didn't deal with the old at, with the new attributes, and they crashed when users mm-hmm. hit the new attributes. Uh-huh. Um, there was also one that had a um, call it a Y two K bug. It had a 
uh, a 2020 bug in it and it's 2021 and it stopped working right. Um, so that needed a new script because uh, that, that original scripter had moved on. Um, there's uh, back when they went from HTML and logs to BB code and logs that required a whole bunch of new, right. uh, a bunch of new scripts to be written and polished. Um, with the recent push on attributes, there's a lot of things that, you know, attributes didn't get the attention they used to. And so there's a lot of things now being ported to support attributes. Uh, whether to, you know, there's a lot of fizzies using only a particular attribute on the cache. Mm. Um, so yeah. just ran into a bunch of those when I was out at Mango Madness. So, you know, as, as the hobby changes uh, and develops, you know, these new flavors come about. Mm -hmm. um, so it's fun. It's interesting. But a lot of these are just, you know, uh, progressions of what was there before. Mm. Uh, occasionally... Sorry. No, go ahead. Occasionally, there is somebody who comes out with a, a new idea. Um, like uh, recently, there was somebody who did Around the World in 80 Days um, as, a, as a concept, and that required a new script. Um, but at this point, I would say uh, most of them are probably more in the maintenance line as opposed to the new concepts. Hmm. Do you know, can you have an idea of uh, what like the ratio is to requests that are, that actually cause new scripts versus just tagging? Because I can imagine that with all these scripts, a lot of these requests can already been done or have already been done. So how often of, of all those do you actually have to create a new script versus just re-tagging something? These days I would say it's, it's well under 10%. Um, the, the ones that just need tags get quickly pruned off the forum. And the ones that um, need new scripts for la languish, um, and you know, till somebody has the cycles to address them, and sometimes they languish because um, it's for a legacy challenge, and so we're not going to be able to reuse the code. So it's it consumes a lot of time for not a lot of, of bang for the buck. Mm -hmm. um, right now, I think there's somewhere on the order of ten to twelve requests for new scripts to be written. Uh, on the forum, but the the number of requests that have gone through in the last week are you know are on the order of what you've seen what what you summarized for new challenge checkers uh, in the intro. You know, there's been hundreds of mm. uh, of new of new tags developed. Mm. So, I guess it's really busy. <laughs> oh, um, there's, there's there's a lot of people go asking for new challenges. Yeah, for sure. So as for, for cash owners, uh, what sort of things would you request for uh, checking or proofreading the requests before actually posting them? Um, so usually when somebody writes a script, you know, they'll run it on their, themselves, they'll run it on some of the big name cashers, uh, they'll usually run it on the requesters, and they usually have uh, a handful of their preferred people to run it on. So somebody who's not in the local area that you're in, somebody who is on it. And that's sort of the, the cursory examination that uh, a script writer will do for debugging. Uh, when we go to what we hope the CO does is they run it on a bunch of local caches in their area they think will qualify. Hope they also run it on a bunch of people in their local area they are pretty sure won't qualify. Um, 
it's embarrassing, but from time to time, we checkers do get out that say way more people qualify than they should. And, you know, sometimes they also deny people the, the green check mark when they've earned it. And, you know, we don't know all the folks in the area. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, you're the one who's going to have to shepherd it through the local reviewer who may come back and ask for 10 or 15 folks. Uh, what's the language they use? A reasonable number of local cashers who qualify. Right. <laughs> um, you know, and you're going to have to come up with that list on your own because the, mm. the script check, the script writers and the taggers, they don't know the folks in your local area mm -hmm. as mm. well as you do. Mm. So, and it's nice to get feedback, you know, Hey, it worked. You know, it's, it's nice getting the feedback. I ran it through 20 people and it looks good. Oh, that's good to know. I did not do that. No. <laughs> I didn't give that <laughs> well, stamp of and, approval. Yeah. And I've kind of wondered about that as well, because once the challenge checker is created and you'd run through your tests, the numbers for uh, successes and fails go up and then the cache gets published and there's already numbers there. And so I've kind of wondered, like, is there a way to reset those numbers once the cache gets published? I'm not. I've, yeah, there's like plenty of caches where there's no, no, uh, no checks on the checker yet when it comes out. But the ones that I've been doing, you run through people's names to check if they qualify, and you publish it, and now there's already like twenty, thirty, forty checks on there. Yeah, I'm I'm not aware of a way to reset them. Hmm. That's I read that somewhere. I don't somewhere on the website. Yeah. So hmm. I'll have to dig deeper into that one. <laughs> yeah, it's not something I've done. It's not something I, I've even looked for. Yeah. So yeah. Sherry, Sherry made a, a, a point as well. I picked up the partnership attribute over the weekend and uh, followed that with Doug's point. I have had a challenge rejected that required the partnership attribute. Is that, was that a, a de denied attribute? Can you not use the partnership attribute in a challenge? So as I understand it, the partnership attribute, there's only four or five caches left in the world that have it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it's kind of like the cactus nearby one. Right. Uh, there's not many <laughs> in the world. And uh, the, the checkers, uh, sorry, the guidelines have a requirement that there be enough, uh, what do they call it? I, I forget the exact word. It's a reasonable or sufficient number of caches available world mm -hmm. that people can actually hope to qualify it qualify for the cash. And so it probably got blocked on that, but that was something that probably, you know, got blocked at the reviewer level and right. not yeah. at the, um, checker level. Yeah. So I, I assume that, uh, if somebody says you have to have all attributes that you've already got the scripts built to not include the attributes that are not required. Yeah. Or sometimes what'll, uh, be done is I, I think, I think the 65 attributes or 67 attributes, and what we'll do is we'll say, hey, you should, instead of using 67, set the threshold at 66 or 65. Mm. Um, and so it gets, gets managed that way by the tagger. Mm. So if you do have the partnership attribute, it may help you, but it isn't required. Yeah. Okay. Um, so if there are any problems with challenge checkers, like if I've, I've had this a couple of times recently as well, where a script might pop out a little error uh, and not necessarily even a timeout thing, but uh, I've had a, a script um, basically white out and not show anything and it basically locks up. And so if there are any bugs that people find while do using a challenge checker, what's the best 
form or, or how would you go about reporting those? So there's a couple of options. Uh, one is to go in uh, on every checker. There's uh, the name of who wrote the script. There's who tagged the script. Um, so you can contact them directly through geocaching.com, through the messaging or email there. Um, sometimes the people have gone inactive. And then uh, the place to push is the form, the checker request form. Um, and you uh, usually what will happen is there's either another script uh, that can be used. And so somebody will take it with another, uh, will take another script for you. Uh, because these, yep, yep. So right there, you see both the script and the uh, tag by target. Um, yeah. So you can contact them directly or put, or put it on the form, and they'll escalate it to whoever they need to to make it work. And if it means writing a new script to fix that small bug, they'll do so. Okay. So Good. Yeah. Thanks. Definitely important to know. Because yep. it, the the ones that had issues that I came up with were um, either old scripts or dealing with uh, uh, like if some new like you said before if there's a new attribute or something and then a cache has that an old script could crash if it comes against that new attribute and uh, without having the detail as a user all you know is that it didn't work so you might have right. to <laughs> report it to the script writer yeah. Yeah. We've got a question from Jesse. Is it okay to request checkers for old and existing challenges? Yes. Yes, it is. Um, so they they mean a little bit more if they come from the CO as opposed to just a generic cacher. Um, but they'll put them up. They'll get triaged. Um, if, it, if it's quick to tag it, it'll usually get tagged and be done with it. Um, a lot of the things that need new scripts right now are legacy caches mm -hmm. um, because they had rules that, you know, were one-offs and were somewhat unique to the particular cache. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's going to need it's a dedicated script for it. Yeah. Um, and th this, this California fizzy challenge is another great example of it because it's an old cache. It's an old challenge, but there's no checker associated with it. They were not within the listing. It was never around at the time. But um, we've mentioned it before. There is a plugin that Project GC provides, that um, a, a browser plugin. If you've got a script thing enabled, which drops in a new section in the sidebar, if somebody has created a challenge checker for a cache, then it'll show up there. Yep, so, and, and on the example you're showing, it shows that there's multiple, yeah, either taggings of the same script or multiple scripts doing the work for that one mm -hmm. cache because there's two distinct checkers for it. Yeah. And yeah, so like, I, I'd agree, by all means, if you find a cache and there's no checker for it and it's an old one, then you could potentially make the request in the forum to provide a checker for it. My um, Iron Man bingo challenge, which we'll show later on, was just like that. There was no checker at all for all of that because it was before it was required. But it was so complex, so complicated that you had to do all the work yourself. And uh, so I created... Uh, GSAC or database scripts to make it easier for people to check each square if they qualified. Now there's a checker for the entire challenge. <laughs> so yeah, it, checkers make things so much easier. Part of the difficulty of challenges before these were required or even available, the difficulty was built in um, of having to determine if you qualify. 
So checkers have kind of reduced that, but it makes things easier. I don't know if this is the right question, but why are there two checkers built for this? <laughs> and I mean, I see different statistics there of who qualifies and who doesn't. I can only presume that's based on which one a person used to check themselves. Yep. Um, so there's a couple of reasons it could be done. Somebody may have written a, a, a new script with better output, uh, either in the log or in the, uh, the HTML portion. And so that's why that exists. Um, it could be that one works well for certain users and not well for other users. Um, it could just be that somebody used it as a, uh, a test case when they were developing a new script. And, so and since, they, since that's the plugin browser or browser plugin, it's showing all the related ones and it's not mm -hmm. the owner attaching. So anyone without that plugin is not going to see both of those. Correct. Right. Good. Yeah. Good. And as when I'm developing them, and I, I will often have multiple drafts of a, of a checker or, or multiple test code bases. I may look up sometimes and have half a dozen checkers on a single cache mm. that I that I see pop up. Yeah, and we've noted that um, there are two different tags of the same script. So this one was tagged by target, whereas the other one was uh, was tagged by Clark twenty three oh nine, and the tag parameters are slightly different as well. So so it could be that one would qualify me and the other might not. Right. Yeah. So that's why as as a geocacher, if there are multiple checkers, you'll almost have to double check the output to make sure it's consistent with the requirements. <laughs> there might be two because one was bad first and so somebody else tagged it properly later. But unless the first one is removed, which right. one do you use? Right. And to get them removed, again, go back to the checker request form. That's the best place mm -hmm. to ask. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've had caches that have multiple checkers on them, and I've passed one and failed the other, and it <laughs> propagated to a whole bunch of places, um, <laughs> including my, suit, my uh, stats pages on Project GC. Because depending mm. which day I looked at it, depended on which checker they'd run lately. <laughs> and some days it said I qualified, some days I hadn't. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I've had a couple like that. The uh, That same one with the different, uh, the complex ones with different routes to find a qualification, where every time I ran the checker, it gave a different result. And like, I don't know, I, I didn't check who wrote the script, but it, I mean, it's so complex. And because there's so many options, who knows how, it, how the algorithm is determining whether I qualify or not. It's like those complex ones. I, I don't envy the script writers trying to come up with <laughs> algorithms for those. It's nuts. It, it's one of the places where I appreciate the simple rules that uh, geocaching has said. The rules have to be simple and easy to understand because it makes <laughs> the checkers a little bit easier to write. doesn't always make them trivial, though. Mm. So um, we're... Now, 50 minutes in, do you have any other, uh, any other comments or final thoughts about the script writing for anybody who's interested in it? Like maybe uh, do you have any clue about when they might open the door for people to become volunteers, script writers or taggers again? Uh, so I believe that door is always open. Um, I believe uh, um, 
sending an email to, uh, I believe, support at Project GC, and they will send you back a test they want you to take and uh, probably ask you a little bit on your experience. Um, I did notice that the number of uh, uh, script writers is going up slowly, but it is going up. Um, cool. So, um, yeah, no, it's it's still out there. It's still possible to contribute to the community in that way. Hmm. So great. So it's not a closed door like uh, cash reviewers. <laughs> I've never know. I don't know. I haven't applied. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to apply? That's the bigger question. <laughs> uh, so having had to tell people, um, no, I'm not going to write your script because I think it's against the rules for these reasons and mm. appeal to your reviewer. It's not fun having to tell people no. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Jesse asked, how would one study to be a script writer? Uh, um, Is there a book for it? (laughs) (laughs) So most of the documentation is online. Um, There are templates that show up. Um, You can go, the source code of all the scripts, I believe, is visible to the community at large. So you you can start by just, you know, uh, reading all the you know, reading everything you can on Lua um, and going through the Project GC APIs and then just looking at, at how existing scripts are written. Um, if you have some programming background already, it's not going to be that big of a deal. If you're starting from uh, 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 nothing, starting at the, the, the tagging is probably a good place to start. And um, the, there was a test. I believe there still is a test. Where basically says, hey, I understand and know the rules that geocaching.com is set. And, you know, here's what we start doing. Here's how we start writing a tag. Um, And they actually walk things through in a pretty straightforward way to start the tagging. Right. And uh, Doug McRae makes a great point here as well. If you're into challenge caches, donate to Project GC. <laughs> they do accept donations because it's a big website, big service to provide, uh, mostly for free. But you also can purchase a membership, which gives you a whole bunch of extra features. But they do accept donations. And Doug McRae, do you know who Doug McRae is? So earlier when I was talking about a friend who pulled me into uh, writing these these uh, checkers, he's the one for his retired monkey challenge trail down in uh, mm. down outside Orlando. Yep. That. We started writing the checkers for. So, and we're always looking for great new concepts for that challenge trail as well. Yeah, uh, I haven't heard of it. What what is it called again? The retired monkey challenge trail. Retired and, monkey mm-hmm. challenge trail. <laughs> yep. Uh, give me just a quick second, and I'll bring up the URL for it. I believe it's retiredmonkey.com. It Does not have anything to do with being com. in Florida with all those retired folk? <laughs> uh, it, it's a concatenation of a uh, retired guy and cute little fuzzy monkey. Okay. Hmm. So, but he's yep, done a really good job on that uh, challenge trail and he's got the scoreboard and everything else for yeah. it. Cool. Fun. So many challenges, man. And difficulty ratings all there. That's awesome. Yep. <laughs> And a, lot, and a lot of them are pretty hard. Mm. So let's check yeah. that out. We'll stick that in the show notes 
for anybody who's interested, the websites for that. Um, so that was a great topic and surely there are going to be other questions as well. So if you haven't, uh, if you have any questions or you haven't had questions answered, then by all means comment and, uh, send an email if you want to. And, uh, we will, uh, answer those as well. We'll, we'll accept them at challenge talk podcast at gmail.com. And, uh, if there's any follow-ups or points that we can raise in a future episode, then we shall do that. Um, there's still so much to talk about, so <laughs> we're going to have to cut it for this episode, but that brings us into the next... A great start, uh, though. Thank you. Yes, definitely. The, uh, the the game time, the wheel of challenges, which we do every month to, uh, to challenge you, to get you guys out uh, going for those challenges and trying to complete them. Um, one live viewer each month will be selected to face off against the wheel and have a chance to win the grand prize, which is that one-year membership to Project GC. To enter, here is your instructions. Every month, the same thing. Send an email to geocache, uh, Podcast at gmail.com with the subject spin me followed by your geocaching username in brackets and include the answer to the following question. Those brackets are important. Make sure that's not brackets, that's quotes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, so that we know who your username is so that we can properly test it on the website live. So here is your question. First person to get it right will be tested. And that question is, what is the language used to code challenge checker scripts? This should be easy. <laughs> Should be easy, but if I didn't have the show notes, I'm not sure I would type it correctly. <laughs> that, that's a good so, point. At least you, it's are not you what's taking incorrect typing submissions. <laughs> <laughs> it's it should be spelled correctly. <laughs> and uh, at least we're not saying expand page. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at least it's uh, it's not the full name, the expanded name. It is. I think it's an acronym, isn't it? I honestly I don't know. I think I looked into that a long time ago, but I don't remember. Mm, I'm pretty sure to, it is. Something to look up here <laughs> for once you, you get the answer. <laughs> we have an answer. The first person to email correctly with the answer is Curious KDB. All right. Oh, woohoo. Ooh, another Boston area cashier. <laughs> that answer is, of course, Lua which is L-U-A. <laughs> it's, it's pretty phonetic. But I always, I always spell it in capitals. Maybe that's why. That's I what I searched. That's what I Google searched. But yeah, it's lowercase. See, I wouldn't, yeah. yeah. I wouldn't hmm. have done it. The etymology <laughs> of that language should be interesting. <laughs> so oh, that means... Curious oh. KDB said, you have to Google it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you made it. So let's spin that wheel. Yes. <laughs> so let's bring up the wheel. And let's see which one shows up again this month. Will it be another one again or a new one? New one, new one, new, new one, one. New one, new one, new one, new one, new one. It is. It's a five star. <gasps> oh, uh, wow. It is a five star difficulty. GC9119D. 31 dates of tree climbs. 
one of my favorite types of caches. <laughs> That's really awesome, but I know I don't I know I don't have that. <laughs> this one was published in 2020, October by Carney Gruel. That means it's in Ontario. Well, that doesn't mean it's in Ontario. He's got caches everywhere. Uh, <laughs> it is, uh, so it's post moratorium. And yes, the challenge is to have found one cache that has a tree climbing attribute on each of the 31 days of the month. They do not have to be in the same month. So they can be throughout any year uh, and any month, just as long as you cover all dates 1 to 31. And not many people have accomplished that. 32 positives and 254 fails. But let's see if Curious KDB will add to the successes. Curious KDB. And choose the name, run the checker, and does Ooh. not qualify. Now, I so think close, though. No, the not so wheel close. <laughs> is against Curious KDB. <laughs> Saying I had that one last time. Did we spin oh, the wheel right. on Curious KDB before and get that? That's. I wonder if that was the very same one. Yeah. Oh wow! On show six, we had Curious KDB. <laughs> well, here's same... oh, man. A, a good reason to add these ones to your calendar. <laughs> so you've got. I'm not sure so if it was it the same as last the time. Third time for you. <laughs> yeah, you've got uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven dates covered out of thirty-one. So uh, there's something to add to your calendar, those empty dates. <laughs> Find a tree climb on this date. And, and this one says they have to be in different counties. Oh, I, I missed that. Uh, is it in it? Nope. Okay, let's check. Just the make list it out. harder. It is a five, right? They must have found tree climbings. Uh, oh, yes. I, I, I breezed right over that. 31 caches must also have been found in a different county. I remember now. I got messed up on this one because I thought I qualified the first time I, I came up to this because I only had a like a couple of days. I filled out those days, and then I thought, wait a second. And I ran the checker, and it didn't qualify. Missed the county clause. They've got to be in different counties. It's a traveling tree climb challenge. Traveling tree climb challenge. <laughs> <laughs> 31 oh. counties. Ooh, ooh. Doug has some info for us on Lua. Mm. <laughs> Lua 1 incorporated the data de description syntax of SOL, hence the name Lua. SOL meaning sun in Portuguese word. Lua meaning moon. Neat. So there is we etymology behind Lua. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, so thanks to Curious KDB and everybody who sent in an answer. Uh, every month we do this, so work up your stats and you might have a better chance at winning whatever challenge pops up next month. Yeah. Watch. That's our live game. Watch live. Yes. And yeah, if you're not watching live, be sure to tune in. <laughs> <laughs> it's so much fun. Um, so another little game that we do every month just to encourage people to get out and complete challenges each month, uh, find sign and qualify. Um, every month we give a congratulatory shout out to listeners who email us proof and pr pr proof of qualifying and logging a challenge cache since the last show. And anyone who sends an email to challenge talk podcast at gmail.com uh, um, with the GC code having a found it log. And if you want, you can share a photo uh, for that month will be entered for the prize for a challenge talk a geo coin. Do you have one with you? Yeah, here we go. Emily has one. It is nice and shiny. 
Um, so we uh, choose shout outs from everybody who sends in emails with your challenges. And uh, just to shout out a handful of them, usually around five, uh, that are kind of unique or interesting or fun. And maybe inspire you if you are wanting to place a cache, a challenge cache, for an idea yourself. Or a variation of it. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, it's very flexible like that. So we had quite a number of entries again, and we even had one from a cash owner who submitted one, which I thought was a really interesting as a Canadian idea. But first of all, <laughs> we have one from uh, Bloody Cool called, it's GC81C3X, and that is the Toys Were Us Challenge. <laughs> Toys Were Us. I'm not sure of the connection yet, but... I like the idea of the fact that uh, it's described as one that's um, adding it to the video here. Uh, a good challenge cache for those starting in the hobby. Oh, the requirement this is, is for to Samantha. find. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, one hundred caches is one requirement, just to have one hundred finds, and one of those must be a two and a half difficulty and two and a half terrain, at least. At least. All right. So it's a good, yeah, good way to uh, a good get you out there finding caches. To try, you know, that might keep newbies from that. That sounds hard, but it's mm. not. It's really mm. not. Now, if anybody can figure out what the connection is to the name, Toys I'd love to know. Because <laughs> it's the the title. I guess the highlight is one hundred plus two point five slash two point five. So I don't know if that has some kind of connection to Toys R Us. Toys, I can, yeah. Mm-hmm. It'd be interesting to know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm wondering but, if it's uh, a uh, hint on the hide. Oh, oh yeah, could be. That's also possible. Hmm. But this is a good point, though. Like, we don't always have to make challenges that are super difficult. This one is a two and a half difficulty. For a lot of people who cash mo- like less than a year, it's going to be super easy. But for people who are just starting out, that could still be really hard, so you never know. But encouraging people just to find some of the basics and qualify is still a good thing to do. And, you know, those easy ones will keep newbies from being turned off from challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of people avoid that unknown icon to begin with because everything seems so hard about them. So that's mm. a good plug for an easy challenge. Yeah. Next up, we have the cash owner who has submitted one. It is from uh, Garrett's Larity, GC9A8G6, the pass a bill challenge. Maybe somebody else can <laughs> better explain this. This is a United States thing. Uh, it's a four, four difficulty, three and a half terrain in California uh, by Garrett's Larity, published in May this year. So it's a brand new challenge cache. Okay. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it has to do with votes. Uh, In short, um, uh, United States is a two-party system. On one hand, there's your party, which is right on everything. On the other hand, there's the other party, which is wrong on everything. Since the other party refuses to work with your party, the only way to pass your bill, uh, if, if to have your party win a governing trifecta, is to have your party win a governing trifecta. You need your party to take majorities in the House and the Senate and win the presidency. So how do you get voters to vote for your party? By finding geocaches in their state, of course. (laughs) So (laughs) on the surface, 
my understanding is you just have to find a certain number of caches in each state to qualify it. But all the numbers and the requirements are based on the number of votes or seats uh, required in the House of Representatives, the House and Senate, um, <laughs> majority votes you've got uh, to win the House, the Senate, and the presidency. <laughs> so there's um, multiple combinations on how people could qualify. Yeah. No two people are going to qualify the same way. Yeah, if you manage to find enough caches in the right states to win 50 Senate seats, 218 House seats, and 270 Electoral College votes, then your party will have the trifecta in the federal government and can pass a bill. But wait, there's another way, the owner says. Congress can override presidential vetoes with two-thirds support from both House of Congress, both houses of Congress. So even if the other party wins the presidency, you can still pass a bill if you win 67 Senate seats and 209 House seats. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Too much politics. <laughs> Basically, try to qualify with the checker. <laughs> That's a nice this is one checker. that I would do. That's <laughs> a nicely done checker. <laughs> I guess it could be educational for uh, for US politics as well. Um, good point. But it's it's good for people who love to travel cash, for sure. Yes. <laughs> Oh, we have a little update in the chat that the Toys Were Us was in the parking lot of a Toys R Us. Ah. Uh, so location. Okay. Oh, yeah, they probably got and around the... they were probably the, closed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> probably got around the uh, restriction on uh, business names by using Toys Were Us instead of Toys right. R Us. Right, and there are so many that, that are closed. Well. It probably was closed. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, so we have another one in from O to be Hiken. I got it right this time. <laughs> GC3C29B synonym roll call challenge. This is another example of a pre-moratorium challenge, which is based like a, 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 a bookkeeping challenge where you need to find uh, 61 caches in the following combinations of synonyms, antonyms, and homonyms. <laughs> so you need to find pairs of caches that contain synonyms, so 20, 20 caches or 10 pairs where each pair, the, the cache names in each pair contain a synonym. For example, they give, give a whole lot of examples, but one is a cache name with one for the road and its partner cache is Baker Street, where road and street are synonyms. I so like you it. to find 10 pairs like that and 10 pairs of antonyms like... Uh, the example is Big Ditch and Little Quack. So big and little are the antonyms. And homophones. So nine pairs of homophones. That is words that sound the same sound but are spelled like differently. Sound like each other. Mm -hmm. So right. definitely an old bookkeeping cache. Yes. If you're not against bookkeeping. Yeah. And yep. uh, that's Thanks. a fun one to look for as well because you never really know. <laughs> like, how, how would you find i guess you would have to look through your finds and think okay here's a common word look for a cache with a synonym antonym or homonym yes that's what i would do i would do like a find on this page feature on my whole list of caches found mm -hmm. yeah and like so yeah. if i saw the word little i would search for the word big yeah yeah that's a good way to do that one and is there a checker for it i don't think Whoa, anybody's i don't checker. think that's possible <laughs> it's possible it would be ugly <laughs> yeah, so this is a good example. Like you have you have to create challenge checkers or there are some challenge checkers that deal with dictionaries, right? Like you've got some selections of words that are 
valid for yep. some checkers. Yeah, the the long word lists, uh, which are no longer allowed as as challenges, there's quite a few of those, hmm. and and you'd have the the checker for this. So, getting back to the person earlier who asked about, you know, um, how do I get into writing checkers? This would be the sort of challenge that I'd recommend that they do for their first one to cut their teeth on, because every anyone will be happy because it's better than what they have before. Mm. Um, and it gives you a chance to cut your teeth on something that's uh, that's new and different, and it's not going to be reused a bunch. So if there's a problem, it doesn't create a lot of damage. Oh, that's interesting. Mm. Hmm. So good perspective. Well, we have two more. Next one I thought was kind of funny. <laughs> it's fairly common, but uh, similar to one that we mentioned earlier. Um, it is GC88EXH sent in by Hide Go Seek called Challenge Dear John. <laughs> John, Dear John, Johnny on the spot. It is to find 400 caches with a public restroom nearby. <laughs> 400. <laughs> I like these ones because, yeah, they get you searching for. Uh, depending on the attribute, certain experiences, and sometimes uh, <laughs> cash owners may not add <laughs> experiences with the public restroom. Um, they may not add certain attributes, so this could be a lot harder than you think because why? not a lot of people might add a public restroom attribute. So even though they might be like near fast food joints where there's public restrooms. Public restroom right inside, yeah. Conservation areas right. and stuff like that, so... Um, yeah, but uh, this is a good way to yeah round round out your geocaching experience by finding varieties of attributes, quantities. <laughs> and that is uh, available in your Project GC stats. There is a grid that shows you how many of each attribute you found. So easily cool. visible, easily checkable. That was published 2019, and it's in California. Oh, and it's a three and a half difficulty, which I think is... Depending on the location the cache is placed, I think that's fairly reasonable. Right. 400 that's, caches. That's kind of a lot of caches, depending on the person. And then, yeah, it's it's hit or miss on mm. whether that attribute was attached. Even if it yep. applied and wasn't attached, you're out of luck. Yeah. <laughs> you, could, uh, you could contact some cache owners of caches that are in places <laughs> with a public restroom and say, hey, can you add Excuse this? Me. You know, it's it's relevant. There is a public restroom nearby. Can you add that attribute to Oh, what a campaign. <laughs> <laughs> and next up, we have a submission from ZipperTiff. It is GC5KJQ7. <laughs> and uh. we may have mentioned one of these before, but it is the Thanks Reviewers Challenge and the Gold Difficulty. So mentioned sometimes making some challenges... Uh, accessible to newcomers. One of those ideas is to create multiple challenge caches and just rate them differently, like bronze, silver, and gold level, where each one is progressively harder. This gold level is nuts. To claim this challenge, you must find caches published by a total of 120 different reviewers. Mm. Different reviewers. And I don't know how many reviewers. On average, I think there's maybe two or three, maybe four reviewers per region. I think. So that's a whole lot of different, uh, a whole lot of travel. 
a whole Cashing. lot of trouble. Even some reviewers review their home area plus some completely other area. So you might have traveled, mm. but too bad for you. It's your regular reviewer. So outside yeah. Albuquerque, there is a uh, power trail where they managed to get a bunch of different reviewers from around the world, and they each reviewed five of the caches. And I believe mm. there's like 250 or so um, review uh, caches in that in that series. Hmm. So, cool. Yeah, I, oh, I qualify for this challenge, and this is something I track. But <laughs> it's, yeah. We've we've got a challenge like that, but I can't remember what the quantity is for ours. But I don't I don't believe it's 120. I think it was maybe 50, which which, at least for Canada where our regions are enormous, <laughs> it's a little more reasonable. Because um, there could be others other uh, reviewers who have retired and new ones have come on, so there's some cycling there as well. But um, yeah, 120. That's just through the roof. <laughs> don't forget the Earthcast reviewers. That too. Yeah. How many, do you know how many uh, earth cash reviewers there are, I guess, worldwide? Well, they're regional as well, right? No. I, we ha I don't I think know. they're country. I can't remember how they're broken up, but I think we have uh, a couple of earth cash reviewers, geo wares in Canada. I don't think they're Ontario. Um, but yeah, those count as well. Earth cash reviewers. So there's a good variety, but My if you travel, there is a clause here as well for um, for old caches because some of the earliest geocaches don't have published logs, so oh. you wouldn't so know who the published the cache. Um, caches before July two thousand five do not list published logs, and therefore you cannot see the reviewers. It can be seen by the cache owner at the bottom of the page. Thus, if the CO is still active, you can try to contact them to see who published the cache. It might also be possible to see if there are reviewer actions on the listing that may or may not be the same reviewer, but that's another option. Hmm. But yeah, you'd have to contact the cache owner for pre-2005 geocaches. So 120, <laughs> I just ran it for myself. I'm at 112. Oh, not yeah. too far, not too far, but I'm going to have to travel more. <laughs> Yeah, I have a feeling it's it'll be easier for people in the U.S. because there's oh, I qualify. <laughs> I spoke too soon. Never mind. <laughs> Time for you to go to Orlando. <laughs> 122 reviewers I've got. Cool. Hmm. Yeah, you can check that one out and see if you qualify because that that could be a fun one. I don't know. You keep track of that. Yeah, could be a bookmarking challenge. <laughs> but uh, so. Of all the people who have sent in challenges completed this month, uh, remember to enter for next month, send in your email before next month's show. Uh, so you've got a whole month and all you got to do is qualify for one. But if you find some really cool challenges, then uh, by all means, email us, us and let us know and we can share them. But uh, of the people who have emailed us their challenges, the random winner for this month is... Oh, to be hiking. 02BHKN. <laughs> so congrats on that we will be uh sending you um the uh, uh the, the geocoin and you'll get that very shortly yep so congratulations um every month i just like to quickly double check and run over the challenge that i love to hate <laughs> my own iron man bingo challenge which was published pre-moratorium 
And uh, this one is basically a bingo grid of um, consecutive caching days of specific types of caches, attributes, and uh, descriptions and whatnot. And the centerpiece is 100 consecutive days of caching. And it's just, it's a huge challenge. And because it's pre-moratorium, I myself haven't yet qualified. <laughs> Slowly working towards it. But um, impressively, there have been a couple of people who have filled the entire grid within that 100 consecutive days of geocaching, which is an unbelievable feat. But uh, one of the reasons why I like to share this is because it's another challenge that I'm posing to the public where I've, I've said for people who qualify for the cache and find it, if they can complete certain uh, shapes or complete the full card, you get, I will be awarding a special geocoin, which will be minted very, very shortly. And um, so if you, I've opened that up to the public. So if you are watching and you want to win one of these geocoins, then complete the full bingo grid. And we I will send, you don't have to find the cash. You don't have to find and sign the challenge. This is up to anywhere. If you qualify, then uh, with the full grid, then I will That's send nice you of one you. of those. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I mean, it's not an easy one because there are some, I know we've got, there's a three day, three consecutive days of scuba caches. And there's a reason why consecutive days of caching uh, is, or, or this type of streaking is no longer allowed because if you miss a day, you can't refind those past caches. <laughs> so it gets harder, especially on some of these rare ones. If you've already found them, uh, you might not have qualifying caches for quite some distance. So this is another one of those that would be good if you're just starting out geocaching to focus on. Um, because yeah, for example, if you do have say five scuba caches within driving distance, if you're lucky, then, uh, you'll want to qualify for that square by getting them one a day for three days. Can't you just do the ET highway? <laughs> Shh. <laughs> <laughs> there are, we have a couple of challenges for finding scuba caches and they're very small numbers. And I'm like, okay, run the checker. Okay. I qualify with 2,400 fines. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> for if you don't know the ET highway is 24, I think it's more than 2,400 caches now in Nevada. It's a power trail of roadside caches. Just boom, 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 you know, knock them off. And uh, they all, because it's in the desert, and a lot, some people may not like the series, they made it easy for people to either ignore or put into a list by adding scuba cache attribute. <laughs> Even though it's in the desert. Filter out scuba. Yeah. Yep. Nobody's going to be finding scuba caches in the desert. Yeah, so. they won't filter out other desired caches. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a cheap way to qualify for scuba challenges, but that's the thing. Uh, most of the attributes. Hmm? Technically, yeah, most of the you can do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> most of the attributes aren't strictly required to be consistent or relevant. So some people, some cash owners may get kind of stingy with how they assign attributes to caches. So for example, the ET highway, <laughs> um, and has there been any activity since last month, uh, May 1st? There was a couple of people who are looking forward to completing the cache. So there are people working on it slowly in time. That's great. But it is for you, Challenge Talk listeners, to work on. Any closing thoughts about our scripting topic today? 
What are your thoughts on some of these uh, challenges that have come up? Have you worked on any of these? Do you recognize them? Can you imagine how they would be written? <laughs> uh, as, as a uh, scriptwriter, I stay away from the bingo casters. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many places to make mistakes. <laughs> well, yeah, and that brings up another point. I notice that there is there's a couple of uh scripts that are multi-script checkers so i've kind of had this question do those scripts um call other checkers or do they have all of those scripts within one script like is it kind of a, a central that you know depending on what's being required for this multiple requirement do they call another script or is it like one massive bloated script with everything in there not proud to admit it, but I believe it's the second. It's one <laughs> massive, bloated, difficult to maintain, glad it's not me. Oh, man. <laughs> so, like, if somebody comes up with a challenge that has multiple requirements, and they're relatively simple, but one hasn't been put into that script yet, the script writer has to go and find a script that does it, and then, or rewrite it or whatever, and then bring it into that same script? Um. Or the CEO has to go find a scriptwriter who's willing to do it. <laughs> <laughs> or I guess you could also provide multiple script checkers or challenge checkers. That's another that, way. That's frowned upon. It's doable, but it's frowned upon. Yeah. Um, mm. So, because yeah, it also that, messes with the things like the difficulty rating on the uh, on that uh, banner that you're actually showing right now. Because mm. each one of those would get a, you know, would impact the difficulty, and you wouldn't get the, right. the total difficulty of all having to do all of them. Yeah, and I remember, yeah, because um, for this cache, right at the beginning, I had uh, provided SQL scripts. <laughs> if people had a database or GSAC to be able to check all of the individual squares, and then some people had tagged some scripts for a couple of them. And so this plugin had started to show multiple checkers along in the sidebar and some of them were incorrect. Mm. And so that started to get misleading. Uh, so I went into the forum to request, is it possible to create one checker to validate all of these squares? <laughs> but um, I was told that some of them are not like we were talking about before. There are some squares that have properties that can't be scripted like lonely, lonely cache um, streaks yep. and, and things like that. So this checker checks most of the squares, but not all of them. So it won't actually, or shouldn't actually provide a successful qualification. Because some of the, the, the ones with question marks are ones that can't be checked with the script. Mm. So you kind of have to take all the results and manually go through and say, do I qualify yet with a, with a grid thing? And then do your own checks for all these question marks. So that kind of tied into a couple other points that you mentioned earlier. Hmm. Yep, and I, and I get a big maybe on my three days of scuba. <laughs> <laughs> Go to Nevada, and then I've spend three days. <laughs> spend three days on the ET highway just for that one square. <laughs> Been there, done that, <laughs> and I still get the question mark. <laughs> Well, the pizza well, ninja said this is this is really true. It's amazing how much talent there is in the geocaching community. Yes, so many absolutely. angles, so much talent. I love that it's more than just let's go find a a box in the woods. Yep. 
Yeah. And there's like specialists and professionals at like all walks of life throughout all these countries and all these cultures and all these capabilities. It's just such a smorgasbord of everything. Mm-hmm. If you want to do something, it can probably be done unless it's against the guidelines. <laughs> <laughs> so reminder, next show is the first Thursday of July and the first Thursday of July is July 1st, which is Canada Day. <gasps> oh, <laughs> and our one year anniversary. And yes, the bigger news. It is our 13th episode, episode one of year two, season two, episode one, maybe. <laughs> we could do that. <laughs> so yeah, pay attention and uh, watch the announcements to see what is going to happen next month. Hopefully we'll make it fun and celebratory and... Uh, who knows what kind of stuff we might be able to be giving away. So be sure to tune it in and mark it on your calendar for June, July 1st, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, 9 Central, whatever your time zone is. I keep getting mixed up. <laughs> and uh, we'll add information in the show, no- show notes very shortly for uh, websites and all these challenges that we've mentioned. Uh, so check back for that. And I guess unless there's... Anything else you want to say? We will say thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being in chat. Thank you to Sloth96 for joining us and answering a whole bunch of potentially complicated questions about script writing. And remember, every month, it's not about the numbers. It's about the challenge accepted. (laughs) Thanks for watching. Bye-bye.